Hello and welcome to a new episode of Another Angle. My name is Abby and I'm on a mission to help our listeners learn about ways on how to improve their health, their fitness and their overall well-being. We will be joined by guests and specialists from sectors like medicine, nutrition and fitness who will be bringing you the latest advice and the latest trends in what's happening in today's world. So just before we start, who is Nicole? Can you just like tell us a little bit more about yourself? Sure. Thank you for having me on. I am a health educator and a health coach. I have been doing that work for about 17 years and I do a lot of it online through Instagram and YouTube channel where my work is about teaching people how to keep themselves healthy just in normal times. We are, um, you know, not changing a whole lot right now. It's still, you know, focusing on maintaining health and preventing illness. And then I also work for a very large, world's largest nonprofit healthcare company based here in California in population health. So I work uh, workforce health, which is, you know, the organizations that have large groups of employees and we work to help keep them healthy through health and wellness programming. So, so you mentioned uh, population health. So what aspects do you cover on that side in this organization? So that work is more about wellness. So, you know, employers understand that healthcare costs are one of their largest costs. And so what we want to do is to help mitigate those costs by implementing wellness strategies. So this looks like, you know, managing stress, helping people move more, educating them properly on nutrition and just things that they can do to improve their worksite environment and uh, the education of the employees for better health strategies and just really get them engaged in their health and to shift the environment of the workplace to one that's more supportive of, of wellness. We use a, a wide variety of strategies in that. Yeah, definitely. Like this is one of the things that has been on the rise recently. And we're seeing a lot of occupational health providers using nutrition and diet and exercise and fitness in their programs. Do you see there is this whole trend, this thing that we've been seeing over the past five, 10 years now, everyone moving towards fitness and all that. What do you see the accelerators for it, so to speak? What has really catalyzed this whole process? Um, I think there's just a better awareness of, you know, people being more interested in health, but a lot of in the workplace, in population health, what we see is that employers are just trying to, you know, manage the costs. So I think that the cost of healthcare is really huge for employers. And, you know, I would throw out a number. I want to say it's around 9% of their payroll or something like that. Don't quote me on that one, but it's a big number. So we have, you know, we, we do see that employers are looking at that as one of their major operating costs is healthcare. And so I think that has sparked a lot of interest from these groups, these companies, and we're talking about companies from anywhere from 300 employees up to, you know, 10,000 employees, and they are all feeling the pain of healthcare costs. So they're interested in reducing those costs, but also on a human side, I think that they are just realizing that it's the right thing to do to help support their employees because they spend most of their time in the workplace. You know, they're talking about 40, 50, sometimes 60 hours a week in their workplace. And so they can have a huge impact on how they influence their behaviors. And, you know, personal behaviors account for like 40% of chronic disease and chronic disease accounts for about 80% of healthcare costs. So they are starting to understand that there's a lot that they can do to um, mitigate those costs. And, and that's what we are working on. You have a different type of approach to it. 
for my health coaching business, Healthy with Nicole, uh, my approach is largely stress-based. So 90% or so of all diseases and illnesses are related to stress. So I do a lot of work with people on uh, managing their daily stress because, you know, most people, that's just how they live in a very stressful state. So we put a lot of emphasis on that. And I do, you know, for my work, I promote a low carbohydrate diet because most people are dealing with diseases related to insulin. So I do a lot of emphasis on varying degrees of a low carbohydrate diet, which, you know, is different for different people. For myself, I follow a very strict zero carb diet. Some people do better on more of a keto and, you know, different levels in between. So the emphasis for me with my work is mostly on managing stress, regulating blood sugar. And those are two big pieces. And those are kind of high level descriptions, but they involve a lot of things. Like, for example, with regards to stress, a lot of people overexercise. A lot of women, especially overexercise, and then they see repercussions in, you know, their body and their hormones. So that falls under the stress management piece is actually doing the right kind of exercise. So things like that is kind of a blanket approach is nutrition, stress management, the right kind of exercise, living that way. So why stress in particular? Like, that's the thing. Like, when I actually interview uh, influencers in this space and people who are key opinion leaders within their niches, it seems to me that their approaches towards health and wellness is based on their own philosophy about what really worked for them. And they try to uh, preach it, so to speak, to other people so they can follow what they have successfully been doing for, for years. However, there is always an element that people feel that they need to have a more personal touch to it, unique offering. That's mm-hmm. the that that you offer as well to your clients on one-to-one, don't you? Absolutely, yeah. So I have many clients in my one-to-one. So I do both one-to-one coaching and I do a group coaching where I have like one I have starting in April 1st um, where there's numerous people in the group. And so we'll teach the same concepts, but everything is individualized. I mean, everybody needs something a little bit different. For example, for me, I had an autoimmune disease called ulcerative colitis for seven years. And that was after being a plant-based eater and even vegan for a long, long time. And so for me, I had to go to a carnivore diet in order to heal my body. And I do think it's helpful and I promote it for those people that have really serious gut health issues, but it's not for everybody. So I don't promote it as, you know, the cure-all for 100% of people out there. It's right for some people and, and not right for others. So I think for a lot of people, they are, you know, basing their philosophy on their experience because that's what they know. But yes, I think that everybody needs a little something different. All of my one-on-one clients, nobody does the same thing. It's all entirely different because everybody has different issues. They have different history. We're all individuals. So there isn't a one-size-fits-all. Unfortunately, it would be a lot easier, but this doesn't work that way. And I would presume motivation and getting people to stick to their plans or whatever approaches that they, they might that you might have helped uh, devise them with is sometimes could be a challenge for um, coaches in general. How do you deal yeah. with um, I have a little bit of a unique approach. One thing that I do with a lot of clients, so not everybody has a problem with adhering, but for, I'd say, the general population, adherence is probably the number one challenge. Most people know what to do on a generic scale, you know, they kind of have a good idea of what's right and what's not for them. But most people have a problem sticking to it. You're absolutely right. So one of the things that I've been doing with a number of clients is we do a daily check-in 
via email or, or text. So my international clients will do it differently. They'll do like, you know, messaging on social media. But most of my clients that are in the U.S., they just text me and I have them tell me whether, you know, we've created their plan, their day-to-day plan. And they know what they need to achieve for the day. At the end of the day, I wait for a text from each of my clients. And they either give me a bullseye that they did everything they needed to do. And if they didn't you know, meet all of their objectives, then they need to explain why, what happened. And it's not a punishment. It's to figure out what the, what the barriers to their plan are. Why are they not reaching their goals? Why are they not achieving their milestones? So that we can figure out what's not working and fix it. So we have daily check-ins, me and my one-on-one clients. So there's a very high touch there, but those people typically come to me for one-on-one because they need it. And have you found like any kind of punishment that you would basically, what kind of punishment do you get? Well, it's not really a punishment. I, I don't like to punish people because I feel like they struggle enough. But what yeah. I do is, you know, they they love for me to be able to say congratulations and they get the confetti on their text. You know, they love that. So yeah. it's not so much punishment, it's the lack of um, positive reward. And they're bummed out when they don't get that. So, and I don't respond with it unless they've hit the bullseye. They text me bullseye, I send back congratulations and fireworks and all that. If they say, well, I didn't, I missed the target, here's why. And then instead of the confetti, they get, okay, let's look at this, what do we need to do? So it's not so much a, a um, punishment, but just a lack of positive reinforcement. Absolutely. And you feel like now with the situation of COVID-19, it's presenting another challenge for people to stick or adhere to whatever programs that they might have set for themselves? Absolutely. Yeah. And there's a couple of limitations. One is that people are very stressed. And when people are under stress um, with regards to nutrition, they eat more, they have food cravings. Plus, on top of that, people are locked in and they're believing they can't go outside, which is really unfortunate. So they're sitting inside and not doing much. And um, so they're bored and they eat. On top of that, they're not getting exercise. So one thing that I've been promoting on my social media is even though we are in a social distancing situation, which I fully support, it doesn't mean you can't go outside. And most of us do have some outdoor area that we can walk around. So that doesn't apply to people that are high risk. But the average healthy person can go outside and get fresh air. And they absolutely should because it will help their immune system to get fresh air and sunshine. It's that they've been doing that since the uh, flu, the Spanish flu to help patients. So, you know, between the stress affecting their daily activities, people are gaining weight from stress. They're not really managing the stress because they're kind of still a deer in the headlights. So they're not doing some of the stress management activities. But yeah, I definitely see a disruption. And um, so I just encourage everybody to stay on track, stay on schedule. Some people get bad at me for saying this, but business as usual, even though you're not going to work, you still give yourself a schedule, you still exercise, you still eat healthy. It should be business as usual. But at home and hopefully people are getting outside because it will help to reduce their stress levels too i wanted to actually ask you about one thing there's this trend nowadays which is there's a lot of people with gyms that are focusing on fitness classes and bringing people together into one class and creating that community approach to exercise all that terrible type of training it has been on the rise because we and this is one of the key things to change habits is when you are part of a community and everyone is all on the same page. Now with the COVID-19 and the lockdown, people start coming back and feeling that, you know what, this is a break. I'm going to get back to it once it's done. What advice do you give these people? Um, I would say don't wait 
to continue your health exercise program because it could be a while. And so instead of waiting for things to get back to normal, I would say develop a new normal. So this could look like, you know, doing a home gym exercise and doing it on video on camera with your friends. Um, there's a lot of organizations that have pivoted to digital courses. I know um, I teach for um, a yoga studio that is offering free bar and yoga classes online, even meditations, and many of them are. So I think tapping into um, the digital resources is a great way to do it. Another thing that I read about is I thought was a great idea is to have a cohort. So uh, basically a um, isolation cohort. So for example, if you have a friend that lives nearby that has been in isolation for a couple of weeks and not being exposed to anybody else and neither have you, that would might be a good person to go on walks with. And doesn't mean you need to hug and kiss them. You can still maintain social distancing, but someone to go outside with, you know, all new partnerships, humans need interaction. So whether it's digital or in person, I worry that people are going to really suffer with their emotional and mental health by having a lack of interaction, a lack of social interaction, but also with really high levels of stress and anxiety. Um, we're going to see probably really um, high levels of anxiety and depression come out from this. So, you know, finding ways to get outside and act, uh, be active and hopefully partner up with people. I've seen some people that go and gather and they sit in their streets of their uh, neighborhoods six feet apart and, you know, they are having a glass of wine with their neighbor or a coffee or something like that. And I think that's totally acceptable for people that are in good health. So I, I would say don't wait, don't put things on hold because this may be a while, but find a new normal. Find the new normal. I think that's the key way. It's, it's amazing. I really love it. It is what people need to start thinking about. When people are thinking about their diet and their plans, I was talking from someone who has always struggled cooking and eating well. What kind of advice do you give people who are just like under constant pressure because of their work or because of their daily lives? And I can presume that there's a lot of people in London in particular who have a similar approach to their lifestyle? Yeah, I think it ties, it ties back into what we said previously about stress, because what tends to happen is people get under a lot of stress and they eat really poorly, which is induced by cortisol. So that's a stress hormone that your body produces when you're under a lot of stress. And cortisol will raise your blood sugar and your insulin levels. And cortisol also makes you crave a lot of carbohydrate foods. And one of the worst things that you can do right now for your health is eat a bunch of carbohydrates or sugar because sugar will weaken the immune system. We already know that for a fact. And so that is definitely not a good road to go down. So I, I try to encourage people to just, you know, if you're fearful, the best thing you can do is eat really well and take care of yourself. Just like any other time of the year when we have the flu season, you know, this is a much more aggressive um, virus. So yeah. even more so, we have to be diligent about taking care of ourselves. So managing the stress, eating well, and when I say eating well, uh, you know, for me, I'm a believer in um, low, low, low carbohydrate, no sugar, and consuming a lot of saturated fats. And people aren't used to hearing that, but we do need a lot of fat. We need fat for our immune system. We need it for our vitamin D. We need it for gut health. And right now, you know, a lot of people are susceptible because they don't have good gut health and they don't have strong immune systems not the way that it should be because, you know, most people don't eat very well. And in the United States, we've got about a 75% obesity rate, overweight. So that's anybody over 20% um, and over 25% is obese. 
So overweight and obesity is the majority of the population. Here's my thing, which I sometimes like I struggle to understand. Fruits are good for you. Could we agree on that? I have a different perspective on that. <laughs> In my opinion, fruits are not a great thing for people to consume a lot of because it's very high in sugar. So most people are eating fruits because they believe they're getting a lot of nutrients. But unfortunately, the nutrients in fruit, like namely vitamin C, but, you know, some other nutrients that we get from fruit are degraded over time. So we they lose their nutrition very quickly. And so most of the food, like, for example, if you go to your grocery market and you buy some grapes, where did those grapes travel from? You know, did they come across the pond or, or what? And for most of us, we don't have food growing in our backyard. So by the time you get your fruit from the supermarket, the nutrition levels have dropped significantly. I also believe that fruits and vegetables both, we don't absorb as much nutrition as from them as we do from animal products because there's a lot of fiber in them. And there's also what we call anti-nutrients. So things like phytic acid that's in some seeds and legumes and things like that, they prevent us from actually absorbing many of the nutrients. So I think wild fruits can be good in small quantities, but I wouldn't rely on it to keep me healthy. We do need vitamin C, and um, but it doesn't take that much. So, you know, some lemons and making fresh squeezed lemon juice and in your water or something like that, you'd be surprised you get quite a bit of, of um, vitamin C through that. So my philosophy is different because there are a lot of anti-nutrients and different things in plant foods. And this is very controversial, but I've done a lot of research on it, both on myself and the research that's available out there. And plant foods aren't what we thought they were. And they don't offer us the nutrition and the protection and the antioxidants that we once believed that they did. I can tell you, I haven't eaten fruit or vegetable for two years. Uh, I believe you. <laughs> yeah, and I'm, and I'm in the best health of my life. And I'm 45. And I did have a chronic disease. I had an autoimmune disease. So all of that is gone now, and that's with two years, no plant foods at all. So I, I'm a believer because of my own personal experience, but I've read many people have similar stories. Now, I'm not saying that's the right thing for everybody, but for some people, it can be very helpful and very healing. Indeed. And I think it is the challenge like for people to know where to draw the line or to what extent could they just yeah. stop having carbs or stop having yeah. certain nutrients in their daily lives. So. It is, it is quite of a, of a challenge, to be honest. And as you know, we are, we are all different. I think it's, it's a good time for a lot of people. And I feel that from a philosophical kind of perspective, these times, a lot of people are kind of having that inner journey now, like self-reflecting about their lives, yeah. just like picking up on things that have been on the, on the back burner for them, all the things that they have been trying to really address from other times. And they're just trying to make sure that they discover more or at least try more things. Are there any things that you are looking forward to discover in yourself or are you in such a journey? You know, I don't have any health conditions to work on anymore. My my health okay. is great. So, you know, I, I don't have any personal things that I'm needing to work on, but I'm always looking to see, you know, what happens. Like I may, you know, introduce foods here and there that I haven't eaten in a while, but I don't believe I need them. Don't believe I need fruits and vegetables to be healthy. Although I like some things, you know, I love papaya and berries. Um, there's things that I like. And for the most part, I wasn't eating any plant foods because my stomach couldn't tolerate it. And ulcerative colitis is a pretty serious disease. And yeah. uh, so my concern was mostly with just healing that. But along the way, I've learned 
so much more about what affects our health. Like, for example, I think a lot of people underestimate xenoestrogens, all of the chemicals that we are exposed to that can mimic estrogen in your body and bind to estrogen receptors and really cause major disruption in both men and women. So this is something that I think isn't talked about enough that I'd like to spend more time on and just bringing to it people's attention because we are exposed to chemicals in our water, in our air, in our food, in our cosmetics, um, your shampoo, your soap, everything that we use throughout the day and are exposed to can be endocrine disruptors. And so that causes a lot of malfunction in people. So the toxic load that we are under is something I'd like to spend more time on. You know, the carnivore diet has been extremely helpful for me. And I think there's absolutely no question that most people will benefit from a very low carbohydrate diet to manage insulin. Um, so that's pretty simple and cut and dried in my mind. There's fasting, which can be helpful to people. There's the stress management. There's the right kind of exercise. But there's also this um, notion of reducing our toxic load, which I think is really underestimated in overall health. So I'd like to spend more time researching and teaching people about that. Fantastic. Do you have any kind of like, just to close with any kind of top tips from your career, let's say, or throughout all these years that you've been doing all that research and that coaching and teaching to a lot of people, what would be your top tips for people to boost their immune system during this phase? Yeah, very good. Um, so I'll make it really simple. I always tell people, I mean, there's many, many things that we can recommend, right? Um, but to keep it really, really simple for people, I would say practice self-care. And I'll tell you what that means. So self-care is an acronym. S is for sunshine. Get in the sun. The sun is extremely healing and helpful for your body to produce vitamin D. It affects your sleep levels. It affects, you know, your circadian rhythms. We need to see the sun. Um, and if you live in an area like London, where a large part of the year, it's not very sunny, um, you know, you do your best to get outside anyway, but getting sun and outdoor activity is super important. So that's the first one that I'll tell you for S in self-care. The next one is E for exercise. You've got to exercise. You have to move your body, whether it's inside your house or out around your house. During this time, we were all limited to what we can do, but doesn't mean you can't do anything. So at my house, we have jump ropes and we have a trampoline and we go out for walks with the dog. You have yoga mats and, you know, we're getting some bicycles now. So you do what you can to stay active. And just because your gym isn't open doesn't mean it's okay to not exercise. So um, S for sun and outdoors, E for exercise, L is for love and relationships. If you disconnect completely from people, you have a very high chance of running into mental health problems anxiety, depression, and things like that. Loneliness is considered an epidemic way before COVID-19. This is something that we've talked about. Loneliness in the workplace really affects people's health and their overall well-being. So find ways to connect with people, whether it's friends outside, keeping your six-foot distance, whether it's online via Skype or video conferencing with friends. You have to maintain love and relationships in your life. It's an essential part of health. And then F, and F is for food. The food choices that you make make a huge impact on your overall health and well-being. Mental health, emotional health, physical health, you name it. So the food is probably one of the single most important things you can do in your day-to-day is make the right food choices. I see a lot of people now that they're home and so they start baking and eating the snacks and comfort foods. You know, not a good idea to do a whole lot of that because it does affect your health. Remember, the more carbohydrates and sugar you eat, the more you're going to impact 
your immune system. So practicing self-care, sun, exercise, love and relationships, and food. I think those are my four top areas that I would like people to focus on that are really simple and everybody can do it. There's really no excuse. Fantastic. Fantastic. Thank you so much. That was that was just marvelous, to be honest. I think that's exactly <laughs> what we needed to hear. And yeah, we wish to, to hear more from you in the future. And uh, until then, I wish you all the best for you and your family. Stay safe. Thank Stay you. Safe. You as well. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Another Angle. We hope you found some useful information in today's podcast. Feel free to share it with your loved ones. And please do let us know in the comments which areas or topics you would like us to discuss next. We would love to deliver that right knowledge right to you. Stay safe.